Good evening, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep. This is a podcast about movies and friendship. This is season five, Kevin Bacon's Exquisite Corpse, and we are just three Laker girls who are playing a very long movie-watching game. Quick note um, for those who are new to us, uh, this podcast is only for distribution in Madagascar. <laughs> Fuck you. That was the joke I was going to do. <laughs> <laughs> Neither of which recognize American copyright. Um, I am your host. I'm Alex Falcone, recording, as always, in lovely North Koreatown, Los Angeles, in uh, East Hollywood, very uh, close to where... Uh, I'd say not, not quite in the shadow of the Paramount Studios, but not far away either. Um, I am joined by my uh, two most stalwart compatriots. First up, he's at Anthony Lopez, part two, on Twitter. He's in Southeast Portland, and he's not like the other Kennedys. He's different. It's Anthony Lopez. Great to be here. Um, you stole my joke, so let me find a new one. Here real fast. Uh, Mike, you um, could do the one having look, a fabulous ass, but it's the wrong color. No. Uh, everyone, you know, people always think that these podcasts take millions of dollars to make, but that's after gross net deduction, profit percentage, deferment, 10% of the nut cash. Every podcast costs $2,184. That's a fact. Still significantly more than we're taking in on Patreon. Um, yeah. Also joining us, he's a co host. No, he's not joining us. Also joining us in Northern California. When he left Phoenix, it wasn't because he wanted to raise soybeans. He had to get away. Why, Ezra? Was it because of me? Was it because you wanted me and it burned inside of you? It's Ezra Fox. Keep, keep it together. K I T. Keep it together. Can you do that? My wife and I were trying to do that last night watching the movie. Like, keep it together. 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 Like, how many times fast can you say that? Keep it together. I, 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 keep, I, it together. Cool. I was really yeah. solid. Keep it together. Keep it together. Keep it together. Keep it together. Yeah. Keep it together. If Hunter was here, I would say he has a fabulous ass, but it's the wrong country. But uh, or the wrong color. Ooh. <laughs> fabulous ass, but it's the wrong color. But he's Wait, not. Hold he's on. off in the country, wandering around. We hope he's okay. What is the right country for an ass to be? Um. If it's the wrong, you know, his is the wrong one, but what's the right one? Budistan? Okay. Canada? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, I, you could have asked me to prepare something for this. I would have been well, ready. Well, you know what? Sometimes you riff, yeah, and then that means you know, off the top of the dome. And sometimes there's nothing good there. That's fine. <laughs> sometimes the top <laughs> of your dome is empty. Sometimes I mean, Alex, a bad dome. If, if Ezra had sent you a text like an hour ago saying, what countries would be good asses? You would have just blocked him and canceled this podcast, right? So there's yeah, no way that have, you would have. Would have um, that is a weird thing to send somebody. Yeah. Well, oh, hey, great news. Speaking of great asses, got Hunter in the chat. Hunter, are you here? Hello, I'm in the chat. Hey, hanging out with everybody else. Great ass, but it's the well, wrong color. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, Thanks Perfect. for being here. So we have uh, we have to keep this going. We have a lot. Ezra has somewhere to be, and Anthony has a brand new uh, PS5 fresh off the truck waiting downstairs for him as soon as we finish this episode. So we're gonna we're gonna just we're gonna let's get Bowfinger. We got places to be. Um, uh, I want to quickly thank all of our meat buddies. Thank you guys. Metreon.com. Okay, so uh, really quick segment about the news. Uh, number one, personal news. We live in the future. Episode three is out right now <gasps> on our YouTube channel, youtubecom Falcon about Soylent Green. Ooh. I really want you to just keep this pace the entire podcast. Let's do a <laughs> podcast shoved into 15 minutes. You just anyway, moving on to buffing. Here's my summary. Ezra, what are your thoughts? Anthony, what are your thoughts? Hunter, what are your thoughts? It's okay, just I love like if you clicked played it 2x speed, but without yeah, having to do it. We're just gonna do it for you. Yeah, yeah. People already listen to 2x speed, so you'd be at 4x. It'd be so good. Yeah. Be intense. You get so much podcast done in, done in a oh half hour. Oh my god, hour. Yeah. so much podcast. 
Alex, I don't think you have like the like the stamina training to do a whole podcast of that speed. You know, against until you told me it wasn't good enough. No, I don't. I mean, I think like a professional boxer couldn't do a podcast at that speed. Like you need real endurance training. <laughs> well, if you're I also gonna keep have, that pace. I have the stamina of a corgi. I am gonna be out of breath in ten <laughs> seconds here. Um, yeah. but I have my new episode. Of, uh, we live in the future. It's about Soylent Green, which we talked about on the show, and I rewatched for this uh, YouTube series, which is where I watch movies uh, from the past, set in 2022, and see how they held up futurism wise. And I got to tell you, we did not all love Soylent Green on the show. I really liked it the second time. I'm not sure what happened, what triggered, but I really, like, I think pretty highly of this movie now, and I think people should watch it. Um, you can learn more about that. Also, I think this is my favorite episode of this YouTube series I've done so far, so um, I think it's pretty funny, and I think it's some good interesting stuff. YouTube.com slash Alex Falcone, right. which is also where you but can now, watch this show uh, if you want to see our faces. Now you have to tell us, also tell us what's your least favorite when you do it. <laughs> Like we uh, next time you have a not great episode, episode, you didn't mention say like episode yet. this is my last episode so far. You gonna tell us it's your favorite? You to, That's totally yeah. fair. Yeah, I'll, 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 keep, I'll keep on the lookout. Um, also, uh, I will be in Seattle this weekend, Portland next week, and St. Louis the week after doing stand up. You can find more at alexfalcone.ninja. Okay, um, really quick on the news, I have an I have an important question to ask you guys. Why are there so many Pinocchios? What is happening? With Pinocchios. I mean, it's public domain. Public domain, baby. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's also a Pinocchio video game. Public domain in 2013. Like, why are we just getting... We're just going to get just our face mashed with Pinocchios this year. Look, it happens. I mean, Hollywood is... I mean, Hollywood is always... It is kind of weird that there's like a Pinocchio video game also coming out next year along That's with the two Pinocchio. movies so there's so there's okay so just to catch everybody up disney's live action where they ruin one of their animated treasures they're doing that with pinocchio yeah robert um, zemeckis and tom hanks got, yes yes which sounds good you've won me over you get thomas the hank engine in it, it's probably gonna be fine um and then also uh guillermo del toro is gonna do one where pinocchio has sex with a fish presumably and then there's a video game coming out next year where pinocchio is just looks like timothy chalamet and his hot as balls everyone's just like yeah. excited for how hot this pinocchio is but it's a well, video was... game so you like lie and smoke cigars on an island in a game i don't know there was also um, cool. the italian poke uh not pokemon uh pinocchio like a catch year or two ago pinocchio's right? catch all the pinocchio's 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 yeah. Come on. Pinocchio's in war against each other a guy who did life is beautiful right he released a pinocchio oh, like yeah, a year yeah, or two yeah, yeah. ago right no that was, was a while back dude what was, was that one good? No, I, I, I don't, don't know. I never saw Pinocchio, it. Um, Roberto Benigni. But no, I mean it is yeah, twenty Roberto years ago. Benigni's that was twenty years ago, my friend. Wait, was it? Did yes. he not like make Unless it recently? It again, I mean, two thousand two. I could have. Sw- oh shit! It's been a I tough two decades for everyone, I think. So yeah, I, it's yeah. Understandable. <laughs> <laughs> it's where um, he is Pinocchio, and it's weird. I think I don't. I think I think they did not like that he have like a, a man child being Pinocchio. I think people were not a big fan well, of that. I mean, isn't it like it's it's probably you know like Guillermo del Toro or you know whatever Disney. One of them, like probably the the Guillermo del Toro one, is like they we know Disney is going to make this. He's always wanted to make one, so like. When a big studio is going to make something, it's like, well, now's the time for us to make ours, right? So it's like easier to get money to make your Pinocchio 
when you already oh, know Disney is going to oh, make yeah. Yeah. Anthony, for your for your mental health. Okay, so Pinocchio, uh, directed by Robert Benigni, uh, two thousand two. But there was an Italian Pinocchio in twenty nineteen. by Matteo Garon. Okay, that's probably the one. So also yeah. Italian, like I don't know. Um, which is makes this even weirder. If there was a if there was a Pinocchio three years ago. Okay, here I guess here's the question. Um, if you guys could only experience one of the upcoming Pinocchios, which is it? Is it Zemeckis? Is it Del Toro? Or is it Fuckable Pinocchio? The game. Um, well, the game. I, I really Fuckable like Bloodborne, sure. and this I mean, one looks even... a lot like Bloodborne. It looks like Bloodborne with Pinocchio, which sounds pretty sweet. Um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm out. I, I I thought it was Fuckable P- Pinocchio only. Um, yeah, um, it's be a hard yeah. game. I don't want to play it. You know, Del Toro is a little hit or miss for me. I, yeah. I really respect his movies, and I, I like him a lot as an artist. But Robert Zemeckis, over the last like ten, Robert Zemeckis, you know, one of my favorite directors. Yeah. of all time when i was a child he's made some of my favorite movies yeah but right. the last 15 years of robert zemeckis he has specialized in making a very specific type of fucked up night fever dream movie right <laughs> ever since you know from polar express to witches the witches last year he has done <sighs> nothing but make fucked up fever dreams for the last 15 years and i respect it i love that audacity <laughs> i cannot wait to see what he does with Pinocchio. I mean, oh, yeah. this yeah, is the guy who made The Walk, uh, which was the really bad movie about the guy who did the uh, World Trade Center walk. Um, oh, uh, with Joseph Gordon Levitt's doing one of the worst French accents you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, is a technical marvel. If you look into like everything they created digitally for that movie, it's fucking fascinating. But it's an hmm. awful movie. And that sums up Robert Zemeckis' career over the last 15 years. If you look at like the technical aspect and the fact that he's out there pushing limits of what film and te- technology can do, it's really, really impressive. But my God, is it unfun to watch. Um, <laughs> it's really been his thing for like 15 years at this point. And I, I respect watched the that. Jim Carrey Christmas Carol. Is that like that too? Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, that was one of his mo- mocap um, Polar Express Beowulf trilogy right, right, right. right that was his like fucked up i mean he 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 talked about that time as like you know i am i am doing this so that next generations of filmmakers have an easier time using this technology but man I made a bunch of nightmares but yeah i mean, <laughs> I, I, mean I appreciate the self-sacrifice but yeah, yeah. i'm just gonna live uh, in the uncanny, uncanny valley for like six years so right, he's building what he's doing. Is he's he's filling the valley with the corpses of his movies, so we can just just jog across to the other yeah. side. Um, I mean, that's basically what he's been doing. We have more news we could talk about, but instead we got to keep it moving because we got so much stuff to do. Uh, it's time for segment two, the game. All right, it's segment two of the game. As you all know, this year we are playing a year-long movie-watching tabletop-style game where we have to get uh, the show to a movie that we have pre-selected and in order to score points. But as close listeners may recall, no points are eligible for the entire month of August because of um, a constitutional crisis and a card and a series of shenanigans. So no points on the table, but we're moving from actor to actor, <laughs> just like the uh, Kevin Bacon game uh, combined with the game Exquisite Corpse to make... Kevin Bacon's exquisite corpse. So 
this week we were watching the 1999 American satirical buddy comedy film Bowfinger, directed by Frank Oz and written by Steve Martin. Also starring Martin, as well as Eddie Murphy, Heather Graham, Christine Borinsky, uh, Jamie Kennedy, Eddie Murphy again, and uh, Mindy the Dog in her role as Betsy the Dog, um, who did Two some really excellent dog acting. Two weeks yeah. in a row. Two very, very good dogs. Good, good dogs. This it's is all some, about dogs. I, I really liked it. This includes the best ever scene in film history of a dog walking in high heels, which, yeah. according to the Humane Society's website, she was very comfortable in the special dog high heels while filming, although oh, nice. she prefers her running shoes. Aw. Also, that's a good doing it, too. Rubber banding the, uh, the legs together, I think, was, was not originally in the script either. I think that was just because very the dog funny. was so good at that. It was so funny. Uh, Also, I did find a photo that uh, Mindy the dog came to the premiere of the film also wearing red high heels. Okay. That's pretty good. That's some good, good work. All right. So this was picked by Anthony Anthony. Oh, yeah. Uh, We got here via Steve Martin from last week's Mm -hmm. episode, uh, Place Trains and Automobiles. Um, Why did you pick Bowfinger for us? Uh, You know, I've been in a real Steve Martin kick. I know Ez has been watching it too, but only Moto's yeah. in the building. Season ah. two just wrapped up. Very, very good. I really, really good. enjoyed the second season and the we're finale. Yet yeah, we're about halfway um, through, but we are enjoying it. And it, yeah. it is what an interesting thing for this year to be the year of Steve Martin. Yeah. But I'm feeling it too. I'm like, especially with these two movies in a row, I'm like, I kind of want to watch more Steve Martin right now. Yeah. I've I've been doing uh, yeah, only Steve Martin and Selena builds. Gomez. Yeah. Only Steve Martin's in the building. Yes. Yeah, but we uh we talked a little about a little bit of a little bit about Bowfinger um at the beginning of last week's episode. I didn't know I was picking until right. a few minutes in the last week's <laughs> you episode. You were really cool shit, about the whole thing. I was very, very throughout totally. <laughs> um but yeah, so I I had specifically mentioned at the beginning of the episode how I really love this movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. I was curious how it held up and this show, you know, provides it the does. show we're feasting off this show, and it gave me a chance to revisit a movie. I was very nervous how well this was gonna hold up, um, but man, I thought this movie still fucks so yeah, hard. I mean, this it, movie it, is it, so good. Steve Martin's done. It's got a little bit of '90s cringe in it, but mostly yeah. held up, and some very funny, like a very lot funnier funny. than I was expecting. Eddie Murphy is unbelievable in this movie in both eddie roles is he is so, so... so my only complaint about eddie murphy's character is that his second character is a surprise in the film but it's the only eddie murphy character on the poster so the yeah. whole time for the movie i was like this is not what i thought he looked like yeah. and then the other guy shows up I'm like oh yeah that's the character. i didn't even notice that but yeah i mean this is the type of movie though that like i uh i was watching this thinking of you alex Mm-hmm. about how we got to get you the fuck out of LA because <laughs> what this movie is really about right you're going to become a Scientologist like, no just the way LA in general it has a lot of different forms it has a lot uh-huh. of different varieties of effects yeah. but if you live in there long enough that city will melt your brain and destroy it I mean I'll tell you this uh, movie did this... make me want to become a Scientologist was that the point yeah. that was uh, one I mean, of the points possibly. yeah but they no, were, I mean, like this thing, they actually like, disp- like they were clearly being roasted with the like yeah. paper triangle hats, but also they were like really calming and helpful to him when they when he was yeah. being uh, when he was having mental health crises. Know, maybe remember, we should all be Scientologists. Alex, Alex, remember the aliens are going to get you. You're nope. not going to get squished by a giant foot. And even though you feel like you might ignite, you probably won't. I probably won't. Good um, advice. 
Also, yeah, but, that he but, was like, I want to show it to the Laker dancers, and they were like, do not do that. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. good. They were solid advice across the board. For those of you who but, have yeah. not seen the 1999 American satirical buddy comedy, uh, Bowfinger, um, oh, directed by Frank Oz. Did I mention that? Yes. Yeah, cool. um, Miss Piggy herself, as you said last week, Anthony. Yeah. Um, well, you, you guys know about, um, I think I've told the story before, but on the score uh, one of Merlin Brando's last movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Merlin Brando apparently was like kind of like like collaborative the first few weeks of filming, the first few days, and then someone told him Frank Oz was Mrs. Piggy, and he completely stopped being <laughs> responsive <laughs> and exclusively called him Miss Piggy for the rest of the set, uh, really rest of the filming, because uh, he what, was a fucking monstrous asshole. What smart guy that guy was. Um, yeah. Okay. Back to work. We have to get this summary. People haven't seen it. Here is... I'm trying really hard for you guys. I'm trying to move. Appreciate it. Yeah. Keep it moving. Um, this is the my, my official four-point micro-summary of Bowfinger. Okay. I, uh, local regional actor turned acting teacher turned failed movie producer and director uh, Steve Martin decides he's going to make a movie uh, come hell or high water and that that movie is going to be starring the biggest movie star in the world. The only problem is that that movie star does not know he is in a movie... So the whole crew sets up shots in public places when he's there with yeah. hidden cameras. And I mean, and not- to be fair, Tom Cruise didn't know he was in that vampire movie for two years. <laughs> so so two years later. This has happened line. before. Perfect yeah. line. Perfect justification for how the yeah. whole thing works. Oh, it was great. <sighs> um, and uh, uh, he actually, like, uh, in general, the, this this huge actor does not uh, notice that he's in a movie He because he's also having paranoid delusions about aliens and giant feet. And so he thinks all of this is just ha- like real alien stuff happening. Um, and the scientists, Scientologists try to help him, but it doesn't entirely work. Also, he desperately wants to show his wang to the Laker girls. Um, eventually, Eddie Kennedy is telling him to take take, take them down a peg. <laughs> Yeah, no one is up on too many pegs than those uh, unpaid dancers for the NBA. Um, Do you guys know that they're not paid usually? That the dancing crews for, for, yeah, they're not, I believe. I mean, I I think think the Laker girls are paid. I well, think the, of any of know, the trailblazer dancers were not paid, and I believe actually paid a significant amount of money to go. The Trailblazer Girls and the Laker Girls, which are like a fucking institution, right? Like this may be true, but in general, yeah. severely taken advantage of. Oh, I mean, it's, well, even paid looks. This looks like it's tiny. I'm seeing, uh, like in the thirty thousand dollar a year range. So I, I uh, and that's like the high dancers side. like lost money to be Blazer dancers. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, this all. Oh, also, uh, Steve Martin steal literally steals money from a, an actress who's fresh off the bus from Ohio, and there are no consequences. It never comes <laughs> up again. He just huh. takes her money, and then it's fine. Um, well, she gets. I mean, you know, she's all, again. Everyone in this movie has Hollywood brain rot, right? Even her immediately falls into like. They're manipulating each other in horrible ways and are just yeah, completely uh, obsessed with making movies. Everyone in this movie some issues with her. We're going to come back with that character. I'm going to come back to that. Not with Heather Graham, who I think is very funny in this. I okay. love watching good actors play bad actors. That's a very funny yeah, role. Yeah. And it seems like the most fun you ever see actors have is when they're being bad at acting as an acting job. Yeah. It's it's fun. Um, uh, anyway, all of this, like, uh, this is the key. This is a Steve Martin comedy. So it's not about these characters getting their comeuppance. It's not about like, oh, here's a life lesson about why all... 
it just is going to work. It works. It works. It yeah. turns out a, fine. It works. They get away with it. They make a movie. People like the movie. It's great fun. Um, they get really close to losing the movie, but then um, it turns out uh, he did show his wang to the Laker girls, and so they blackmail him, and then it's just fine. It's just fine. Yeah. Everything works. And that is well, such I mean, a surprising and delightful way for this movie to go, to be like, the thing that is fun is if they succeed at making the movie. We yeah. don't want to watch them learn their lesson. We don't want to watch them be put down. We want them to just get to make movies this way. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah, good-hearted I mean, um, button mashing basically works in a corrupt system. I think that's that, that's, yeah, the, that's the... Yeah. This is a movie about the underdogs and the freaks, you know, getting one over, right? Like, they... This is a this is an underdog sport sports movie essentially underdog story of like the scrappy little team that can and like their reward is making garbage in Thailand right like they don't get rewarded with like huge box office yeah. and stuff right they go from like completely unknown to barely known at all right. like they scratch and fight and to the tiniest smallest amount and they're so smallest happy amount they love it so much. yeah they love it and they're all but together think, as a team yeah, yeah I mean. I mean the only thing I that makes it not quite an underdog movie is that the underdog sports movie, all those players know that they are on the underdog team. Yeah. And this one, the coach lies and tells them they're on the good team. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's I mean, no consequences to that lie either. But yeah, I mean, I think that we're missing the real point here. The main thing we need to talk about is how um, the most important thing from this movie is clearly about how Christina Belinsky is the queen of camp and maybe the funniest human being oh. uh, in movie histories. Really she, funny. Is so fucking dialed in in this. Like, yeah, the way Her, she does camp and everything. Yeah. Like she is, she can be a really great serious actress. But when she is like watching her takes and her eyes yeah, are really, so really good. big, so yeah. good. Or like everything about her performance is so perfect and so campy and so over the top. It is one of the best. I mean, I think Eddie Murphy and Simone are both great. Eddie Murphy in particular. Is fucking phenomenal in this. In, well, I, uh, second, second character Eddie Murphy. First character Eddie Murphy is fine. Oh come on! When he shoots those symbols with the gun, that's yeah, funny that, that, shit. That was dude. hilarious. Right. That but is I, the best moment. Character. So he plays the hugely famous action star, and then he also plays the desperately nerdy action star's brother. And the this that second character is one of my favorite Eddie Murphy characters I've seen. He's it's so really funny good. in it. The character is, I just want to do errands for people. Like, his, yeah. that would be a huge, he desperately wants to get up. Yeah, it would be a huge step. Oh, he's so excited about it. He's <laughs> so you. genuine. And when uh, when Heather Graham's character has to be topless briefly in the movie and he can't stop himself from giggling, yeah. and he, <laughs> it's like going to be a his, star. That his yeah. work, I, I, that's one of my favorite Eddie Murphy performances. Yeah. I think it's really, really solid. The way he delivers, um, one of those like great stupid Steve Moten jokes that really needs to be delivered perfectly to hit uh, is when they ask him, uh, would you mind cutting your hair? And he's like, yeah, sure. But I'd rather have someone else do it. It usually goes better than I do. It is just it's such a stupid joke, joke, but it's delivered. Perfectly. Well, right, right. So that's a funny joke for <laughs> that probably like Steve Martin says in auditions back in the day. Yeah. Imagine him delivering that as a like wackadoodle punchline, yeah. but then Eddie Murphy delivers it as a genuinely confused so young yeah. artist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is so good. And I, didn't, I mean, yeah. having watched like other Eddie Murphy movies, I'm not I wasn't aware he could be this earnest. I feel like a lot of his movies 
got into just like I'm wearing a fat suit and farting noises a lot. Like right. he 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 went so over the top on some other things that to have this character be so earnest this whole movie, I think he just nails that. Yeah. It's so good. I mean, it reminds and, me kind of more of coming to America, where it's like he is like he is just a, yeah. a, a really like sweet, like naive person in that and that kind yeah. of shines through. It's it's more in that thing. Yeah. It um, honestly reminds and, me of John Candy, actually. It's a similar yeah. type of performance where it's like a comic performance where the performer has a lot of like love for the character that they're portraying yeah. and they like him as a person. Yeah. Well, and like the the way he like is able to play the two so differently and the thing. I mean, like, you know, yep. probably like the most famous scene in this movie is the freeway scene, right? Yeah, that's insane. But the way he carries himself. And even though like yeah. the effects look a little silly now, it's still one of the most intense scenes in a comedy I've ever it's, seen. It's so nerve-wracking. So good. And feels so fucking dangerous. Yeah. Uh, so just he, to catch he, him, he so that he, fear. So he's, he's, he plays the action star's brother who gets roped into pretending to be the action star. And one of the scenes they do is make him run across an L.A. freeway with traffic whizzing by very, very quickly. And they just make him do it for real. Um, although, yeah, the, the like the green screen for the cars is a little bad. But also... That is the least realistic Hollywood scene in the movie. I have never seen traffic on the freeway move that quickly. (laughs) Especially that freeway. That freeway is bumper to bumper every minute of every day. You just easily climb on top of the cars. The simplest street, yeah, freeway to cross (laughs) when it's bit when it's in full traffic. It would be, it would be almost embarrassing. You outpace the cars very quickly. This is For 99, sure. man. This is when Hollywood was moving. It's not all stuff <laughs> that with influencers and TikTok stuff. I've only like been it here is, a yeah. couple years. I did actually... The, the other thing, the other most unrealistic Hollywood part of this is when they found parking at the Griffith Observatory. Yeah. That, that is insane. There's no... The, the drive up to the observatory would take you a couple hours, and there's almost never parking because nine times out of ten, they're filming a movie at the Griffith Observatory. So mm. the fact that there was just, like, not that many people around and they found a parking space, a little bit can be. On the other hand, Scientology helicopters, probably above me right now. That is very realistic. Yeah. They're, they're everywhere. Very this, I think, is maybe my favorite dual role uh, movie. Like, like... Definitely above Dead Ringers, uh, yeah, in terms of like the clumps. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's a, that's like a quadruple role. Oh, you mean but... exactly two? Okay, yeah, sure, yes, sure, sure, exactly yeah, yeah. two. Two uh, and no more. Two, yes. No, I mean, like I, I like this, and and you know, oh, what about the parent, parent trap? trap? Yeah, but I, yeah, I, you go for... the, I just I almost worked that in. That's so funny. Yeah, but but the uh, the, 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 the new parent trap, not the old parent. Oh, trap. Oh, I like the classic parent trap more. I I know, I know, it's okay. Look, I had, I'm not against the new one, uh, okay. but I did like the old one. Um, how do you feel about Freaky Fridays? Do you like the new Freaky Friday or the old Freaky Friday? Um, I think, I mean, I like, I don't think I ever saw the original. Oh, the, the originals. I like the swim team aspect of the original. In general, uh, I, I, I like both of them. I like, I, maybe, I'll, take any, maybe, I'll take any body swap and I'll take any. Yeah, I, like, uh, any I love body swaps and I also like uh, secret twins. That's really fun. You know what um, I like? I like when ooze comes out of people's faces. Oh, <laughs> this movie has a great ooze oh, coming out oh, of people's faces. The arm drop also. Oh, yeah. very funny. Um, but yeah, his, like that whole performance in that sequence is so so good. Uh, great effect. Uh, I really like Frank Oz's direction in this movie. Um, yeah, a lot of the little touches he does. A lot of like. There's, you know, like a great gag very early on that's just kind of set up, but you see Christine Belinsky, uh, Belinsky in like the plaster head cast for like yes. a split second in an yes. early thing, and they never reference it 
they never show what it's for until the very end. So if yep. like, you're not paying attention, you won't even get the joke. Um, yeah, I really love, but like, you know, that Steve Martin kind of sweetness you were talking about, the way all the characters, like the way like the um, the Mexican immigrant film crew that could be like kind of a lazy, mean joke, like the way it's like even they get swallowed up into the Hollywood machine and become yeah, you know, all their cell phones are all by the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. And in the midst of reading books and they're talking about the best lenses to use and the way they change the aperture and they just, th- that's yeah. that, that gag starts cringy, but he <laughs> does at least make that film crew really high status as it goes. And he makes yeah. them all, like earnest and and heroic and i think that helps it a lot the first part of that's a little cringy but yeah but it's that way that hollywood everything about hollywood right is like it everyone it touches it like it infects them in some way or another you know that is where the cops show up and ask for a permit and he's like have you ever thought of acting and then later the cops show up and you're like oh no it's the cops but it's not it's that guy and he's acting and he's having the time of his life yeah yeah Yeah. i really loved um there's a great line Robert Downey Jr. has. It's like a throwaway line when he's talking about how his wife tried to get the car from him and the divorce and how awful that is. And his friend yeah, goes, yeah, yeah. who gets the kids? She did. Right? Like, it's just, <laughs> yeah. again, that, like, this fucked up place, man. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I it is interesting. I mean, I'm in, I'm in such a different portion of the city, and it's also 20 years later, but... um, I, Like, I don't see that much of all of that. I don't know how much of that's happening. I mean, I mean it is weird the part of Hollywood that I am in and I do see occasional very strange things. It is weird to like hang out with people who are just like the dipshits I hung out with in Portland doing the same art in the same way. But these guys have Maseratis like that's a weird switch. Like in Portland, I was like jealous when somebody got on a better show than me. And then here it's like, Oh, that person just got a million dollars this week. Like there is weird (laughs) stuff, but I am not in the like producer world that Steve Martin is in. So I don't know. The one place I, where it bothers me in this movie, and I, I like, I had a very good time. The one thing that I do want to talk a little bit on is the uh, touch on a little bit on is the Heather Graham character. Um, I feel already a little weird when Hollywood movies have extremely famous and successful people shitting on young dreamers who show up in the city. Like, there, the, it already feels a little weird. There's like, it, there's like a feeling of like lottery winners saying like, "Why would you play the lottery, idiot?" Mm. Like that feels a little bad. And then to make her character turn, instead of making her, like, she gets sucked into the system a little bit the way the other characters do. But hers is to make her, like, conniving and sexually devious. And she sleeps with people to get what she wants out of the industry, which is, like, a hacky trope to do in comedy anyway, I think. And also, especially with what we know about how the Hollywood system works, where, like, people like Weinstein was like, you have to sleep with me to get anything to then be like, now our comedy trope is you slept with somebody to get something like to, it just feels like the kind of person who shows up here off the bus is such a target for so many things, including like Steve Martin's crappy acting class that he had posters for that he was teaching before this from a guy who doesn't know what he's doing. Like there's so many people trying to take advantage of you at every opportunity. And so to see that all and be like, oh, but don't worry, she took control by doing this, like by throwing her body at everybody. It feels so hacky for a comedy and then also feels like kind of deeply fucked up. Kind of feels like you're just slut shaming her, honestly. No, like, no, it doesn't feel yeah, like that. That's sort of what it feels feel like to me. That's what it kind of feels like to me. Favorite, my, one of my favorite jokes in the movie is where Steve Martin has slept with her, 
And then she sleeps with somebody else, and he's like, we're broken up. And she's like, why? Because yeah. like, you slept with somebody else. And she's like, so? And he's like, ah, good point. And then they just yeah. move on with their relationship. That is yeah. a great joke. Great joke. I mean, there is the really stupid joke I have thought about for years, which is, um, do you like smashing pumpkins? I love doing that. Love that doing is a that. joke that has lived in my head. <laughs> when did joke. this movie come out? 1999? Yeah. yeah. 23 years. Oh, dear. I thought about that joke at least once a month. But every time someone mentions the band, the Smashing Pumpkins. I think I love doing that. I love yeah. doing uh, that. It is. I, especially the, just to go back to one more thing on this Heather Graham character. And we can all stop being bummer train if you want. Um, but there's this to the extent that the movie has a morality. It's that there's a part where Steve Martin says he cannot take advantage of the nerdy brother because he's an innocent. And that hits his conscience, which means that everyone else he takes advantage of, he believes to be guilty of something and to deserve it including Heather Graham's character, who he literally steal, like he ruins her life probably in the long run with that debit card. No, like, I think she's, yeah. she ended up the, okay. She, mm. the amount of, uh, maybe, maybe the amount of kids. <laughs> I think we're meant to think she ended up okay. Card? Even though I get what you're saying. You're bringing in the reality of it, right? In reality, she would be screwed. But I think as far as thematically, what we're supposed to feel like the at the end of the movie is that she's going to be okay. She's probably okay. But to, but to suggest that she's not an innocent it like and like it's morally okay to take advantage of her feels really gross that's the part that i like loses me a little bit and if you didn't have if he never had a conscious if he never had if he didn't sort them uh according to innocence and guilt i actually would have felt fine about it i think the fact that he was like look i am willing to draw a line and it's here with this guy but it's not here with this woman just felt a little but bit the thing gross. is he doesn't draw the line he immediately goes back on it right this that's is true. a guy who has you a clip the, on you make some implications Alex, clip on rat tail, all right? That's so the funny. fucking guy we're talking <laughs> about, all right? Yeah. This guy, I mean, this, again, this is a movie that, like, it's an underdog story about the kind of scummy people in Hollywood who dream about making movies, right? But, like, even dreamers occasionally get, like, something done, you know? Um, can, we, can we actually talk about the clip on rat tail? Because I, yes, I had forgotten about that. Yeah. And the audible relief. That came to my household <laughs> when they revealed that it was a clip on and he took it off. Yeah. Was so palpable. Like yeah, the whole we... first five minutes is just like the second you see the rat tail, you're like, what is that? Why is it there? God, I hope it's not in this whole movie. Oh, no, no. So that, and then I mean, when so... he yanks it off, it's so exciting. It's like, oh when my God. Steve Martin is like, when we learn that he is a guy who teaches acting classes and has never done anything. I'm like, and then we see his rat tail. We're like, oh yeah, that's what that guy has. He has a rat tail for sure. It was, and I mentioned it to, to my wife. It was a great character thing. And she's like, it, it looks really bad. Is that even a, it looks barely attached to his hair. And then 10 seconds later, he pops it off and it was, it was <laughs> yeah. disconnected. It made everybody here feel very good. I love the idea of having to find a rat clip on rat tail. Steve Moten shade of white hair. A lot of those. They probably don't make a lot of those just solid white. Uh, you're driving tails. around all day, you know? Yeah, all you're day. looking for it. <laughs> well, I mean, they could have had Steve Martin grow it out for a while, right? Mm. Uh, and then and then just, you know, like harvest. Yeah. To, yeah, yeah. And, then, and then, you know, it, it gets a little extra. You could um, have donated I, it to Locks of Love, but instead you gave it to Steve <laughs> Martin to look like he has a rat tail. Um, Alex, as someone yeah. who lives in L.A., you have a thing yeah. about just sneaking onto a lot and doing some shenanigans? Yeah, why not? Is it, I, I, so, yet? 
I don't know if this has changed from the '90s, but there are so many security guards here. Mm. Like, if you like, I know something is filming in my neighborhood because I see blocks of security guards first. Like, before you get yeah. to any generators or cables on the on the sidewalk, you see it like rows of security guards. And I'm not saying they all look like they're ready to put their body on the line to protect this film. A lot of them look like they're getting paid to just like watch videos on their phone all night. But there are there's a lot of security on yeah. sets now. Um, yeah, Hollywood. I feel like a lot of old like, movies people just ran into into movie oh, yeah. studios, and it's real hard to do. I think well, in, it's in like you know, now. like there will never be someone who has the opportunity that Spielberg had. Right? You guys know the story about Steven Spielberg when he was sixteen. No, just he would go on the Paramount lot. He found an empty building and he set up an office, and he would have people come and meet him on the Paramount no. lot, like oh. he was supposed to be there. No, uh, oh, Spielberg was a straight up con man. Yeah, well, no, I mean, not a con squatting? man. He was just a uh, like, uh, yeah, basically like squatting on the Paramount lot, squatter. using stuff he's finding. Like that's how we so, got. Like, this, it's a classic the Sting uh, moment where like we're just gonna build a post office here that's not real. He like built his own little con office. Yes, yeah. oh, he built like a little this. shingle in the Paramount lot. Like, yeah, I, I work here. I'm supposed to be here, and like people were just like, well, clearly he's supposed Hilarious. to be here. He has an office on the Paramount lot. Um, but yeah, he was like he's, really young and he did that. He's good security now. Yeah. But it's like, you know, you used to be able to do stuff like that. You used to be yeah. able to just walk in and go, I got an idea for a movie. Um, I do. I do have a lot of fondness for the Paramount lot because it's the closest. It's the only major studio that's still in Hollywood. Most of the studio stuff is over in the in the valley where it's thirty degrees hotter for some reason. Um, but Paramount is like still right here, and so I like I drive by it or I jog by it all the time. And I it, it's it's a, a good looking lot. It's a nice classic Hollywood lot. It's got that big entrance way that you see from Three Amigos, like. It's cool. If I was gonna, if I was gonna break in and do con man stuff at anyone, it would be that one for sure. Aw, that's so sweet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's your um, I also really like the building that they used as the cult uh, building, which the that big blue and green t- buildings, which is uh, the Pacific Design Center in real life. They call it the Blue Whale because it's giant. Um, but very cool looking buildings in Hollywood um, that I like getting to see them there. We actually looked up the bungalow that he was in because actually one thing I liked about this is it really did feel like my neighborhood when she gets off the bus because it looked shitty. I was like, this is the shitty part of Hollywood that I am used to. And I don't see very often. Um, uh, But the bungalow is like, it's much closer to the um, place where you can pay $50,000 to have your name written on the sidewalk. It's closer to that than where I actually am, but the walk of fame. Um, But it did look like, it looks like the parts of Hollywood that are not nice, uh, which is where I live. Um, my other two other quick, or actually one other, I've used most of them, my Alexis for today, my awards for tiny things in the movie. A lot of stuff we already mentioned, dogs in high heels, the movie costing $2,184, the oh, neighborhood. Um, funny thing about that, if you do the math, he is 52 years old. Like, so he says, like, oh, I the, the dollar, the dollar, $1 dollar away. Oh, yeah, okay, he took his age from the dollar a year. That's yeah, funny. Yeah, dollar, he, he's that's funny. As, as soon as well, he says, I, like, I'm 49. I love off. that joke <laughs> because it's like, you, you you can't do the math really fast in your head. So when someone says like I put away a dollar a week every week since I was twelve years old, like in your head you're just like, oh, that's gonna be a shit ton of money, and it's <laughs> two thousand one hundred and eighty four dollars. Like I love it. it's like when you yeah. actually do the math, it is yeah. a very small amount of money. Um, it's the, a great fucking the, joke. It's a great joke. Um, the the one thing that I wanted to make call specific attention to that we haven't mentioned so far, my last Lexi is um when Steve Martin is setting up his apartment for the date. 
um, where first he pours cheap water wine into a or expensive wine or cheap wine into an expensive wine bottle. And then that's not enough wine. So he just adds water to it and yeah. shakes it and puts the cork back in. And then later she's like, I love this wine. You could drink it all night and not get drunk, yeah. <laughs> um, which is awesome. Also, just like the way, yeah, the way he rubber bands the dog's legs together because she likes to lay on her back with her legs spread open. Also, for some reason, his fireplace just explodes in flames every time. <laughs> like, is a great physical. But that scene, just watching Steve Martin do apartment business is my favorite Steve Martin is just him doing kind of small physical things with, with delight, with, uh, yeah. with, with rigor. The way he says cut every time in this movie yes. is like a full body explosion yeah. of energy. Yeah. I really love That's the stuff that Steve Martin does so well, like in planes, trains and automobiles. I think of like the scene when he's running to catch the taxi and he's got the two suitcases and the yeah, way he does the yeah, physical yeah. comedy. Um, yeah. There's yeah. a scene in finale of uh, it's only only motors in the uh, motors in the building season two has a really good thing when he has the move in slow motion. That mm. is just like classic Steve Martin. I was just like earlier in the season, there's a scene where he um, is um, going off to talk to Martin Short in the bathroom in front of the cop and he like starts to run and then exaggeratedly walks casually and his yeah. casual walk is just such a perfect comedy moment that i i i just i i did not realize how much delight that brought me but it really is wonderful yeah. physical comedy i think ages pretty well is what i'm i'm thinking i'm learning from this like i think satire can be hit and miss for sure uh but like for for like it's like i think it's like physical effects right like those age fairly well like you know uh in terms yeah, of totally. effects. that's physical a good point yeah, I, yeah, I think that's definitely yeah. true also i you know like i think like stupid jokes age better um, you know, like that haircut joke is still funny. Now. The, sort of, yeah. the way airplane is still really funny. Yeah, it's, it's every joke is dumb. Yeah, yeah. If you know it's stupid coming out, and it's yeah. really impressive because you got to remember that Steve Martin has done all this with an arrow in his head. Right. <laughs> uh, like, so I mean that the fact that he is like able to still do this. Yeah, they make with, up for uh, the know. sides of it, so you can't see yeah, it. Yeah, right? it's yeah. Still... He's got that arrow straight through his, you know, his head. Yeah. They just pulled up. off the ends. The stick's actually in there, though. Still, um, that's yep. very true. Okay, I'm going to leave that there. We have to move on. We have so many more things to do. Um, let's jump into the master list. It's time, as we do every week, to rank this movie in terms of quality with the best 27 movies of all time of season five. Um. It's getting harder. There's more to re repeat, but um, let's we'll say well just to remind you some things. Planes, trains, and automobiles from last week is at is currently sitting at number sixteen between Pelham and In the Cut, um, and that is the highest ranked comedy so far. The highest ranked um, guy playing two characters is Dead Ringers at thirteen, um, and. Uh, uh, yep, yeah, I can't make any more jokes really quickly. Okay, so okay, good job um what is uh what do you need to hear in order to rank this anthony where do you feel Bowfinger uh, falls on this list give me five through ten iron giant cuckoo's nest good bad ugly batman unforgiven apollo 13 best movie of all oh, time definitely stop it definitely below, above apollo 13 <laughs> below good bad and the ugly uh so you, you're putting this in the Batman slash unforgiven territory yeah, right after Unforgiven, right before Apollo 13. This movie is definitely better than Apollo 13. It is so, hard to rank. I know you're being a dick, but um, I think you partly mean it. It is always hard to rank comedies against serious movies. Like, it yeah, is hard it to is. be like, wow, whether or not this is better than One Flew Over the Cuckoo's. Like, is there any comedy that's better than, a, like, 
I don't know. It's just a, it's a hard way to judge. It's a hard thing to judge. Especially if, a comedy like this, where it's like planes, trains, and automobiles, like works. If that was a drama, it would also work. It would be fine. But I, this yep. wouldn't work. It's it's like it's not quite on that spoof level, but it's like kind of heading that way to where it's like yeah. it doesn't have to be a complete movie with real people that we believe. I like the idea of trying to make this a drama. What's the dark reboot of Bowfinger? Is it like oh. about the actor in the cult? Is that the thing? No, no, the cult is definitely sticking around, right? I mean, that's yeah. it's got to be way more about Scientology. Yeah, that's know? what I mean. That yeah. would be the yeah, focus yeah. would be about the cult. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be all about Scientology, and we would drop... <laughs> well, hmm. That we, I feel like the oh. essential thing with Bowfinger is we have to film someone without their knowledge and put it in a movie. Otherwise, oh, like, so why even do like it? Like TMZ or something like that. I mean, I think it, it'd have to be like sort of like the it's like the mental destruction of Kit Ramsey, where it's like everyone is sort of a, a, a like a vulture that is trying to just take from him, basically, right? And so Ooh, it's more like okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So what if it's like the Scientologists are making a movie about Kit Ramsey without his permission? At, in order to help him go crazy so that they can yeah. then get more money from him. Here, yeah. I, I got something. I yeah. would do it as a real a independent experimental drama and actually shoot an actually actor without their knowledge and then mm. get their permission after you've completed the movie and I, I, risk it all I on whether the, they say I don't know, yes. I'd do the I fake guess. version of it like with like, like Joaquin Phoenix where it's like he's actually in on it, but you act as if he's not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No, Ezra's got it. <laughs> Everyone's uh, wondering guys? whether it's real or not. Did you guys? I don't know if anyone, if it's even out yet, but James McAvoy has a movie coming out this year or it came out already where uh, everyone else got a script except for him. So he showed up. It's a drama, it's like a murder mystery, but he showed up every day with no idea what was going to happen and he just improved. Yeah, I mean, this is like a classic short form improv game, but doing yeah. it all the whole movie that way is fascinating. That's, that sounds there's like a, a lot. There's actually. A, a great uh, one act play called uh, "Actor's Nightmare," which is basically you know, it's like it's someone oh, yeah, who's waking yeah. up in a you know, as they're in a play that they don't know anything about, and it's it's it is a delight. Um, that Ezra. sounds stressful. I'm gonna put it. At, I guess it's like if we're doing the half. It's like five point five, so it's between mm-hmm. Iron Giant and uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. All right. Um. I don't know if the I'm sure somebody who listens to the show is really like better at math and could tell me whether this is the right way to do it with the halves, but um it's fine. It's a I, way. I'm I'm doing it. So uh Anthony gave it ten and a half, you give it five and a half. Hunter, where do you put it? Uh I I I didn't I didn't like it near as much as y'all did. Um oh, interesting. I, okay. uh, I, I think it's okay. I, I I didn't think it was bad or anything. It just like kind of it, it kind of came and went. I it's weird. I agree with everything everyone said on this podcast, but I don't just I just don't think it was that He's not uh, a big great. fan of comedy, though, right? Yeah, I don't really like comedy thing movies. Is he is, Hollywood, is a comedy you know guy, yeah. Was, is, is you really like Hollywood, and so you hate seeing it spoofed? No, no, I, I, I didn't mind that at all. What the <laughs> was cool Hollywood. I think I just didn't really care about what the movie was about, and a lot of times with the comedy that shouldn't matter, but for me, it 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 does matter for some reason. And that's just that's a right. deficiency I have. But also. Uh, I'm just going to rank it right underneath in the cut to just continue to emphasize yeah. that in the cut is too low on the list. I mean, yeah, that I is, that. A, it is a thing that I can see. This is how I feel the opposite direction with Apollo 13. It's like, since Apollo 13 is the best movie of all time, it has to be below that. Um, I, and so I'm wait, wait, actually, Anthony, you said it was between Unforgiven and Apollo 13, right? Yeah. Just above. I'm I'm gonna put it just below Apollo 13 um, for a similar reason to what Hunter just picked. Yeah, we haven't done uh, a lot of comedies, but I definitely think this is the best comedy that we've done so far. 
Um, I think I think it that's was probably true. definitely the funniest. Like I I would agree that it is the funniest movie that we've talked about. But like we've also talked about planes, trains, and automobiles, which I felt more connected to what that story was about and what mm. what was going on with the characters. Interesting. Yeah, I felt, I felt myself a lot less connected to that. Um, well, so with those four four scores, five and a half, ten and a half, seventeen and a half, and nineteen and a half, we average out to ten point seven five, which puts this squarely between Apollo 13 and Michael Clayton. This is now the 11th uh, best movie of all time uh, just of barely. season five, um, which I'm good with. Um, last up order of business, it means we got to, I got to pick a movie. It's my turn. And, you know, there, this is one of those, you know, Anthony, when you play a card that means the points don't matter, it gets you what you want, which is that I'm not, I don't care about this game this month. So I'm just going to pick a, what I'm most interested in seeing that I know is allowed. The movies, though, Jamie Kennedy, are you picking the son of the mask? There's so many things with Jamie oh. Kennedy. I, yeah. I considered having us watch Heckler, his documentary about how oh, bad he is at stand up. I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen oh, that. That is so it's, it's bad. He's to make a movie about hecklers and he is so bad at stand up that every yeah. scene where someone heckles him, I'm like, well, yeah, I'm with them. Yeah, like, uh, well, making very good points, Jamie. You might want to listen to what these people are saying to you. There um, are so many people like Jamie Kennedy that were very. Jamie Kennedy was fucking everywhere for like yeah. four years in yeah. the early nineties. I mean, and he's really good in stuff like this. In Scream, he's obviously like has a super iconic character and yeah. really delivers that performance super well. Um, and it's just, it's so upsetting to watch. Like, and I, I wonder about this about modern stars now. But so many people who I really loved when I was very, very young, I loved them in movies, and I've just watched them grow up to be horrible stand-ups with awful alt-right shitty views. Yeah. Like him, Rob Schneider. Um, yeah, Rob Schneider. Um, Jeez. Uh, yeah. uh, Jim Brewer is the other yep. one who's really oh, lost yeah. his fucking mind. That clip of Jim but, Brewer at the convention a few months ago where he was like doing a chicken impression for six minutes yeah. straight. It's Oof. just, it's so fucking sad to have watched well, all I, of these I people. see how it happens, because you're like, Jamie Kennedy, you are famous, and you are in these comedic roles. How would you like to make 50 grand a weekend? All you have to do is tell three stories and talk to the crowd a little bit, and then that you're now a stand-up. And I, maybe he did stand-up before, I don't know that. He surely doesn't show the chops of having done it before. But man, that movie really, really... Uh, Mm. It's fascinating he put it out, that he was willing to put out a movie about how bad he is at stand-up. Um, well, and one of the things about Bowfinger, I think that if, like, Eddie Murphy's off, his main character, Kit's a little extreme, but I do think that this movie does capture the way that, like, all celebrities are going through some version of this psychosis, right? Mm. You just can't be that, like, anyone at that level, anyone whose last eight movies have been the biggest eight movies of that year, right? You're, right. The people you're surrounded by, the people coming after you, like maybe you don't think you're going to ignite and a giant foot is going to squash you and want, need right. to show it to the Laker girls. But right. everyone who has has any kind of level of success, you have to develop some kind of psychosis right, just to protect yeah. yourself from the insanity yeah. of it. And so people like Jamie Kennedy, who were never at that level, but they were fucking huge for a few yeah. years. They got to make whatever they wanted. The things they, the passion projects they made, like Malibu's Most Wanted or Son of the Mask or whatever, really tanked. And that's just going to break your brain even more, you know? Like, it's right. just. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Um, I'll, just to cut to the chase, because we got to get out of here. Um, Eddie, we're traveling via Eddie Murphy and we're going to watch Shrek. Okay. What? Now, hear me out. Hear me out. Look, I saw Shrek when it came out 
ages ago. And I remember thinking like, I guess that's kind of funny. That's all right for a non-Disney cartoon. But in the last 10, 20 years, the internet has gotten so horny for Shrek. And I do not totally understand why. And I would like to. So this is not picking the best movie, Anthony, which is one of the options. Instead, I'm using... But when you get rid of points, you're it's just giving me I can make whatever project I want. Well, now and this it's is track time. The original read it and weep premise, which is like, why is everybody so horny for this thing? I right. would like to understand. That was the well, original. So, you're saying, so here's what you're saying. Here's what you're saying. You're yeah. saying we're going to watch Shrek next week. Yes. And you're basically guaranteeing with us really no option to get out of it of Austin Powers being like the week after that. We already watched Austin Powers. Powers. We probably aren't going to watch Austin Powers. We might watch Austin Powers uh, 3. Yeah, we might watch... Yeah, which I think we could have gotten to with uh, uh, Heather Graham anyway. So I'm like... No, she's in in the situation Austin Powers right now. Anyway, yeah, yeah, I guess that's what... Yeah, I think the point is, Alex... We thought Austin Powers held up a little better than we were expecting. Yeah, we kind of enjoyed it. The first Austin Powers is legitimately a great movie. First, like I watched I watched a great yeah. video essay on it like two years ago, so I could believe yeah. that. And it's legitimately a great movie. It honestly is one of like the only comedies that has actual good sexual dynamics to it in terms of like what Austin believes about like, yeah, he right. wants to fuck a lot, but he's also like not going to sleep with a drunk woman. He's very, yeah. very respectful. Like right. stuff that mm. you never see in comedy, especially in the right. 90s, is a character going, no, I'm not going to sleep with you. You're drunk. It wouldn't be right. Right. You, that has never been in a comedy before right. 2020. <laughs> except for but the point yeah. is, the point is, what you're trying to say, Alex, is that somebody once told me the world was going <laughs> to roll me. You ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. Yeah, that's, that's, that's how I feel. Thumb, my finger and my thumb <laughs> in the shape of an L on my forehead. And you don't stop coming. I mean, look, someone's going to smash in the mouth next week. I don't know who it is. Um, mm-hmm. It might be all four of us, but we're going to smash some mouths. I am. Yeah. We're, we're going to understand why Shrek is what it is. I'm so curious. I think we are all, I think we are all four to six years too old for Shrek. Um, not in our age. Like, yeah. Yeah. Not just like for what its target demographic is to what we are now, but it came out four to six years too late for us to be in the place where it has the nostalgia thing that I think the internet is so obsessed with it right now. We were just a little bit too old for it when it came out. That's my guess. Um, uh... Look, Trek opens with Trek wiping his ass with fairy tales, right? That's literally the very first thing oh, that happens true. in the movie. And it's like that's cinema right there. The for for the movie, you know, that that's a yeah. It's that's that's how you open a movie is show me yeah. the whole movie just in his ass, I guess. Yeah, show me the whole movie and also make it ass based. Yeah, please, <laughs> please, some sort of ass based metaphors only for the Look, first. We're shot. gonna find out, you guys. That's how we're we're gonna we're gonna mess around. We're gonna smash around and uh, yeah. see you what our, our so mouths look like. Up. You know what's so messed hey, up about now, this? You're on somebody all-star. actually forced me like a month ago to watch Shrek 2. Oh, and I was no. like, I don't want to watch Shrek 2. Okay, so you know where it goes. They were like, they were like, you have to watch Shrek 2. Shrek 2, they, they, the way they goaded me is they kept saying, Shrek 2 is a masterpiece. They just kept saying <laughs> it over and over. Oh, man. And so this is funny and that now you, you are... to be a masterpiece? It was fine. I mean, it's funny. <laughs> it's it's funny. Okay. Yeah. I, I got some stuff I could say about Shrek. Shrek's yeah. kind of interesting, I guess. Yeah. Okay. And the Good. story behind Shrek and like the, you know, yeah. Chris Furley was originally attached and then he died and they had to re-record all his dialogue with Mike Myers. 
and Mike Myers loves doing Scottish accents. Eddie Murphy is legitimately really good in Trek. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think there's some stuff to talk about here. It's not it's not good I'm movie week. Waffles. It's, <laughs> it's interesting. Trek. All right. Well, we'll talk about that all more next week. Um, let's get out of here. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Thank you to those who watch on YouTube.com slash Alex Falcone. Um, and we appreciate you guys hanging in there with the Tech Problems cast. You guys were very good, despite what uh, terrible stuff you went through this morning. Hunter, thanks for being here for part of it, most of it. Hey, hey, hey I'm sorry. Sorry I was late. You're good. Uh, Ezra, thanks for hanging out. Of course. And Anthony Lopez, it's always great to chat with you. My wife's going to leave me when I tell her we have to watch Shrek. <laughs> That's funny, <laughs> Alex. I'm gonna be on the road because I'm do- I'm doing I'm traveling for comedy the next few weeks. Uh. So this is gonna be probably an airplane movie for me, but I'm not gonna make Megan watch it. Much to her uh, delight, probably. Um, but good luck, Anthony. Keep your relationship. Thank together. You. We'll talk to you next week for Shrek. Bye. 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 Bye.